Support for this podcast is provided by Smart Recruiters, the hiring success company. Smart Recruiters offers enterprise-grade recruiting software designed for hiring success. Move beyond applicant tracking with a modern platform that provides everything you need to attract, select and hire the best talent. From candidate relationship management to programmatic job advertising, recruitment marketing, collaborative hiring and embedded artificial intelligence. Experience a talent acquisition suite with intuitive user experience that candidates, hiring managers and recruiters all love. Leading brands like Bosch, IKEA, LinkedIn and Visa use smart recruiters to future-proof talent acquisition and expand their businesses globally. Visit smartrecruiters.com to find out how you can achieve hiring success as well. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Walder. Welcome to episode 182 of the Recruiting Future podcast. The future of work remains a very popular topic of discussion. Whenever we cover it on this show, I always like to look through the lens of talent acquisition. In recent months, I've had a series of guests from outside the industry giving their views on talent and the future of work. This week, my guest is a talent acquisition industry veteran. Peter Weddle is CEO of the TA Tech Trade Association and author of a recent book on the future called Circa 2118, What Humans Will Do When the Machines Take Over. Enjoy the interview. Hi, Peter, and welcome back to the podcast. Well, it's great to be back, Mac. Thanks for having me. My absolute pleasure. Now, for people who, who may not know you, could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Uh, my name is Peter Weddle. I am the CEO of an organization called TA Tech, the Association for Talent Acquisition Solutions. Uh, and basically, we are a trade association for industry, for all of the companies that use technology to deliver a product or service for talent acquisition. Fantastic. Now, um, you've just written and published a book that I'm sort of very keen to very keen to talk about. Um, it's about the the your kind of vision of the of the of the, of the future. Um, before we do, though, you've obviously been um, in and around this industry for um, a number of years. Um, we talk a lot about how technology changes things and the pace of change and, and what's happening in the sort of uh, recruiting and HR arena. What would you say are the most interesting changes that you've seen in the time that you've been in the industry? Well, uh, just to set some context, um, I uh, way back in the early 90s, I uh, sold a company which was arguably one of the largest in the U.S. to use computers to match people to jobs. Um, and I had a lucky break. I fell into a job writing a biweekly column for the Wall Street Journal on this new thing called the Internet and in particular the employment space. So I've, I've been watching uh, talent acquisition technology for more years than I'd, I'd like to count. But uh, I think there have been a number of changes that are not unusual for a maturing industry. Uh, you know, in the beginning, we had uh, a couple of dominant job boards like Monster and Career Builder in the States, uh, Stepstone in Europe, Total Jobs in Europe, and so forth. 
Um, and and that uh, era lasted for a number of years, probably until the dot-com bubble burst. Uh, and then what we began to see, uh, and what I think is most interesting today, is two things. First, the diversification of technology in talent acquisition. We're seeing more and more different kinds of technology that can be used not just for sourcing candidates at the top of the recruiting funnel, but for all of the activities throughout the recruiting funnel, for uh, managing uh, candidates, for uh, communicating with candidates, for screening and assessing candidates, and, and so forth. Uh, and at the same time, what we've seen happen is a growing uh, interest on the part of investors, private equity invest investors, venture capitalists, and so forth. So there's actually money flowing into this industry at an unprecedented rate, which is further stimulating the growth of new technologies, new ideas, new approaches to talent acquisition. You know, it takes us 21 years to, to make a worker. Um, and right now we don't have enough to go around. So the importance of recruiting, I think, has finally begun to hit home at senior levels uh, in the enterprise. I mean, CEOs have, have always talked about the importance of, of talent, but I think for the first time ever, they've begun to see its bottom line impact. Uh, and that has really created much greater focus on, much greater interest in, much greater innovation uh, in the talent acquisition technology space. Now, as I said, you just published a book called um, Circa 2118, What Humans Will Do When Machines Take Over, um, which I kind of, I suppose, must must lead on from the, the, the sort of the technology changes and the, the talent shortages that you're, uh, that you sort of mentioned there. Um, tell us a bit more about the book. Well, I wrote the book because uh, it's no secret that there's been a lot of hype around artificial intelligence and machine learning. Um, so this is a, a very deeply researched book. I think there are something like 140 footnotes uh, in the book, uh, just a huge number of sources. Uh, but I also wrote it because I wanted to disabuse the, I think, conventional wisdom that the impact of artificial intelligence is something that's largely going to happen down the road. It's going to happen to people in the future. We don't really need to worry about it. Um, and what I found in the research is that that's simply not true, that we are in the midst of a revolution in the world of work today, right now, as a result of these technologies, which are still in their infancy uh, and as they mature, the impact that they're going to uh, impose on the way we work, the way we live, our social, political, and commercial institutions institutions is only going to get greater. I mean, that's really interesting. And, um, I, you know, I've actually had a sort of a um, sort of two or three um, people on the podcast in the past who've, who've researched and, and created a vision of what AI might do to, to jobs in the future. Um, what, what, I've, what I found is that, um, that you know, they, they seem to sort of fall into two, two camps. There, there, there's the, there is a, it's either a kind of a very, very optimistic um, view um, or, or, or quite a dystopian view where, uh, you know, we're sort of ruled by robots overlords and there are no jobs um where where do you stand on that scale what's your what what do you think how do you think this is gonna how do you think this is gonna play out and develop i stand right smack in the middle uh the the you know that i think uh it's pretty clear uh that the impact of these technologies on the work that we do is accelerating for example 
2016, the World Economic Forum uh, published a report in which they estimated that there would be uh, a net of 5 million jobs lost in just the 15 leading global economies by 2021. That was in 2016. Two years later, the McKinsey Global Institute. So, so we're talking about not, you know, Silicon Valley over caffeinated salespeople. These are legitimate research institutions. The McKinsey Global Institute in 2018 looked at 2,000 work activities across 800 occupations, and they determined that 30% of that work in 60% of those occupations could be automated by currently available AI technology. And we're talking about jobs from CEOs to welders. And they estimate that 15% of the global workforce, 400 million workers, are not going to be able to find work because it will be done by machines by 2030. So, you know, barely a blink in time, 11 years from now. And, and the whole thrust of my book is not that there's some sort of dystopian future, but rather to avoid that future, we need to be thinking about the implications of that kind of change right now. What, you know, you can't unionize your way out of this. You can't government by government decree uh, change the, the, the pace of technological development. This stuff is going to happen. So what are we uh, in the world of work going to do, not only to protect our own jobs, but equally as important, to protect the jobs of our kids and grandkids? That's a really interesting perspective. Um, what do you think people should be thinking about right now um, in, terms of, um, in terms of enabling that, I mean, in terms of sort of you know, protecting their future careers and um, you know, the relevance that they'll, that they'll have in the future? Well, I think the first thing that we as individuals need to do is to develop situational awareness. In other words, we can not afford to stick our heads in the sand like a bunch of ostriches and pretend that this stuff isn't here or is going to go away. We need to make sure, regardless of what profession, craft, or trade we're in, that we are aware of where technology, where artificial intelligence and machine learning is encroaching into our jobs. Most of the research today is not necessarily about how these technologies eliminate jobs, but rather how they eliminate the tasks within those jobs that are currently performed by humans. Think about it this way. You know, right now we have uh, chatbots, which are these cute little technologies driven by machine learning that can help engage candidates as they come into uh, a, a company's talent acquisition process. That's kind of where we are state of the art. The next generation will be to have uh, really recruiting assistants. These are more capable technologies with deeper learning, with better neural networks, better algorithms um, that can do more of the work, more of the tasks that recruiters do. But recruiters won't feel threatened because they will still be um, the uh, the, the main partner, the, the major partner in the partnership. So they'll still be controlling the technology. 
but but inevitably, as each generation of AI becomes more sophisticated and more capable, they're going to take over more and more of those tasks. So uh, humans will go from being the senior partner in the partnership with technology to being the junior partner, sort of the fail-safe system, if you will, like we have in driverless cars today. And eventually, because we humans are uh, not infallible. Eventually, those machines will even will learn even to be able to do those tasks. So uh, it's important for all of us to gain some awareness of how fast that progression is occurring in our particular field. But at the same time, we need to collectively begin to exert influence on our governmental um, and and political institutions to pay attention to this crisis. You know, it, it's interesting. Um, the UN report on uh, climate, global climate change, predicted that 2040 was the year where we may well reach the point of no return, where we, where we will have so impacted our global uh, climate that no matter what we do, we can't get it back to what we remember as uh, as kids. Um, and ironically, 2040 is also the very same year that most experts predict that machines, this development of AI and artificial intelligence, these machines will finally have reached a point where they will become smarter than humans, that they will be more able to do the things that we humans do. And what that means is that at that point, we will remo remove the human friction in the development of AI. AI will no longer be developed by humans. It will be developed by the machines themselves. And that will accelerate the, 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 the progress at a dramatic rate. So, you know, we, we have some time here, which is why I said I was sort of in the middle. This isn't going to happen day after tomorrow. But we have decades, but only decades, to really think about what, what's going to happen to people when all of a sudden the whole notion of paid employment, which began way back in the Middle Ages in Europe, what happens when paid employment is no longer available because machines are doing all the work? So, very, very specific question. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, we've, we've talked about the way the future is going to pan out um, and what people should be thinking about. Um, specifically for people who are working in talent acquisition right now, um, what should they be thinking? What should they be doing to prepare themselves for the future? There's been some research done lately uh, which suggests that we may have missed uh, or misplaced the focus for people to best insulate themselves from the the impact of this ongoing change. Historically, what we've said is that people need to be more technologically literate. They need more uh, skills in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, in order to be able to work with and for machines. Uh, and that's still true. But the work that will be left for humans is most likely to involve soft skills, the skills of leadership, the skills of interpersonal relationships, the skills that a lot of recruiters instinctively bring to bear. So I, I think for uh, for recruiters, for talent acquisition professionals, it is to hone their soft skills and to increasingly make sure that those in the enterprise who are 
deciding their budgets and deciding their staffing sizes and so forth, that they understand that even as these machines become more capable in doing specific hard tasks, there are certain soft tasks that at least for the foreseeable future, only humans can do. And to the extent that each recruiter has honed those skills, they will have relatively speaking, insulated themselves from from uh, seeing their jobs terminated. Now, you run uh, TA Tech, run a number of um, events around the world, um, looking at sort of technology and talent acquisition and talking about the future and uh, bringing together sort of great people to, to, to network and learn. Um, I'm delighted that um, I'm going to be speaking at the TA Tech in Europe in May um, about my book, which I'm, which I'm currently writing. So we're going to be talking about some of the early findings there. Um, tell us a bit about the events you've got coming up what people can expect um, and um, how people can find out more about them well thank you for asking uh, uh, TA Tech Europe uh, is a, an event that we've created that's specifically designed to nurture thought leadership and collaboration among the companies which design develop and deliver technology based products and services for talent acquisition so this is this is an industry event it's not that employers aren't invited to attend certainly they are but the real focus here is to is to do two things it is to uh, allow um, very senior industry executives the conference is designed for um, uh, enterprise CEOs and their direct reports. So it's an intimate gathering, maybe 160, 175 executives. Uh, and, and it's designed to really challenge their views of where technology is today, where it's going tomorrow, and how best to get from point A to point B. So w we try to bring in really provocative, really uh, innovative speakers like yourself. Uh, but, but also, you know, uh, both Google and Facebook, for example, chose this kind of event, the TA Tech event, um, as their coming out presentations when they decided to get into the talent acquisition business. So we, we work very hard to bring speakers to bear uh, that uh, people haven't heard elsewhere or, or which are offering creative new ideas for people to consider. Um, and at TA Tech Europe, which is coming up in Lisbon in May, May 8, 9, 10, we're going to do that two ways. Um, in the beginning, we'll have a program called RecX, which is a program of TED Talk-like sessions. So only 15 minutes long, very engaging. It's in a theater environment. It's going to be filmed uh, with lots of audience interaction. And it's we've got... Uh, 10 of the really most thoughtful people um, uh, in the talent acquisition business in both Europe and the States on the program to really think outside the box uh, and, and be uh, thought provoking. Um, and, and then we'll move from that into the main conference itself um, uh, on uh, May 9 and 10. So we've got a, a great lineup of speakers. But the other thing that the conference is all about is, is uh, B2B uh, collaboration. Uh, the, the conference is built around a unique format called the Deal Center. Uh, and what that, uh, the way that works is that uh, 10 days prior to the event, we uh, release online a scheduler so that 
uh, people coming to the event can see who else is coming uh, and they can uh, reach out to them and pre-schedule meetings so that you're not missing those really important contacts that you want to have. You connect with people you may not have ever connected with before and, and, and so forth. And, and during a typical two-day conference, we'll have over a thousand meetings scheduled in the deal center uh, amongst the conference participants. They'll be exploring potential partnerships. They'll be looking at strategic alliances. They'll be talking about doing business with one another. All of those conversations will be going on as the thought leadership sessions are proceeding at the same time. So it's a it's a very busy uh, two and a half day event. Uh, and it will have some of the very best companies in the talent acquisition technology industry from the EMEA market. Uh, so uh, a, a very substantial and important market globally for talent acquisition technology, as well as about 30% of the participants will be from uh, North American companies as well. Peter, thank you very much for talking to me. Matt, thank you for having me. It's been great to be back. My thanks to Peter Weddle. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts or via your podcasting app of choice. The show also has its own dedicated app, which you can find by searching for Recruiting Future in your app store. If you're a Spotify user, you can also find the show there. You can find all the past episodes at www.rfpodcast.com. On that site, you can subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.